Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Monday, November the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we catch you up on all the NFL and college action from the past weekend, including some quarterback scouting reports. We'll look into the teams Miami fans need to root against the rest of the way and how the Dolphins stack up against those teams. And we'll discuss some tendency breakers coming out of the bye week for Adam Gaze. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Jason Harina, our staff lead, posted a great column up there talking about Ryan Tannehill's long-term future in Miami. So check that out, LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And we're coming off the bye week. And I got to ask you, how was everybody's bye week? You know, from a psyche standpoint, for me, it really came at the perfect time because this weekend was just awesome in all facets of life. My sister-in-law turned 30 back in May, but couldn't have her proper dirty 30 back then because she was pregnant. So she did a 30 and a half this weekend and they rented out this really cool high rise private room at a local bar here. And we got pretty loose at that bar. And to make matters even better, we had the coup game on in the background and they rolled up a first half 55 spot. So the drinks were flowing and your boy was really enjoying himself. And you might have noticed that via some heavily influenced tweets coming out late on Saturday night calling for Bama, which is something that I always make fun of other college team fans of doing by saying that no, no, you do not want Bama. And I don't want Bama, but Drunken Travis did want Bama. But this WSU team is one of the five or six best teams in the country, so it's been a total blast this year, sitting at 10-1, and one, heading into the Apple Cup on Friday, and I don't know if I've ever wanted a college football win more than I do in that game, and it kind of feels like one of those big Dolphins games for me, which is pretty rare. I don't really get up for that many coup games in my, in my past, but this one I'm definitely pumped for, and I cannot wait, but enough with the college ball. Let's go ahead and jump ahead into some of these games on Sunday, and what a Sunday it was. Nine games to decided by four points or less, late game drama, and the best of all, our Dolphins got a ton of help on Sunday during the games. And the games that I kept a close eye on, the Indianapolis-Tennessee game, for obvious reasons, wanted to scout that out a little bit, but I do plan to re-watch it to get a better feel and a more comprehensive look at the Colts and just how well they've been playing on this four-game winning streak. The Ravens and the Bengals, that was a great outcome for the Dolphins. Lamar Jackson's first start rushes the ball 27 times for over 100 yards in a crazy win out there in Baltimore. The Washington-Houston game, that Alex Smith injury was insane. His ankle was like poking out of the sock on his leg, and if he didn't have that sock, we probably were seeing some bone right there. And that one was interesting because Alex Smith's injury in Impacts the quarterback market this offseason. I think the Redskins were probably going to go back in with Alex Smith, and they might still, but there's a chance they could get themselves back onto the veteran free agent market or the veteran trade market, or maybe back even in the first round of the draft. So something to keep an eye on there with Washington mitigating the Alex Smith injury. It'll be Colt McCoy going forward. 
I checked out most of the end of the Steelers and Jaguars game, and it was typical Jacksonville Jaguars under Blake Bortles, the quarterback not doing anything to help out a strong defensive performance, and a big day from Jalen Ramsey, who was rumored to be on the trade block after the season came comes to an end this year, and that should be something to keep an eye on going forward. But the Steelers win that game. The Chargers and Broncos, the Broncos steal that one late. Some poor decisions there at the end of the game with the Chargers and the way they ran the ball, or threw the ball when they should have ran the ball. The Saints and Eagles, my God, the Saints are an absolute or not. I love watching Drew Brees play so, so much. He is a fantastic player and really one of my favorite non-Dolphins of all time. Should be a Dolphin that we can talk about in that vein, but he's not nonetheless. And then the Arizona and Oakland game. Kept an eye on that one. Like to watch a little bit of Josh Rosen. I wanted to see how Derek Carr and John Gruden kind of interacted because I do think Derek Carr is going to be on this team's in their crosshairs this offseason. I don't want it, but I think it's something that keeps, you know, it's something that bears watching. And there was a report that Derek Carr and John Gruden had gotten into it, but they wound up winning the game and all things were rosy and smiles at the end of the game. So maybe that was a little bit overblown. But another big impact from that game was the fact that Oakland did win the game and possibly pushes themselves out of the first pick of the draft as the Niners could close in on that. I think the Giants won again on Sunday, so they're kind of distancing themselves from the first overall pick, but that race for the first overall pick is on, and if it's not one of these quarterback needy teams like uh, Oakland Oakland Raiders after they get rid of Derek Carr or the New York Giants, we could see maybe someone trade up for that spot if that's how it happens. But just a really fun day to enjoy football and get a look at all the games. My my fiance passed out on the couch most of the day because we had that long night last night. So I was allowed to just kind of watch the bye week by myself and, and get a good look at a lot of teams. Coming up on the podcast here, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Andrew Luck and the Colts in this next segment as we get ready for some game prep. And speaking of that, we'll probably have the preview on tomorrow's podcast on the Tuesday podcast with the holiday on Thursday. So we'll probably have that show for you guys on tomorrow's podcast on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, undecided, but that's the direction I'm leaning right now. But heading into this Week 12 game, we've got Indianapolis, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Miami. All five teams sitting at 5-5, five and five, all teams tied for the sixth and final playoff spot where the, <laughs> the winner of that spot figures to go and play at New England or at Pittsburgh. And I know the reason I laugh, I know, I know. I don't think anybody really wants to go back into one of those buildings for another January lashing, but we've got all winter and all offseason long to discuss the offseason moves and the draft and the free agency stuff, so I'll continue to work on getting in the playoff talks while we still have the opportunity to do that, and we'll go ahead and discuss those five teams or the four teams the Dolphins figured to chase over the last six games. We'll do that next as we go over the playoff scenarios, talk about Andrew Luck and the Colts and the Dolphins injuries, and we'll do all that, but first, a word from my bookie. And if you're a fan of the podcast, you know by now, every Friday we give out the college picks for which games I like the most coming into the weekend. So whether it's college, NFL, or otherwise, the best place you can go through is my bookie because it's not about who you're betting on. It's just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie, the best bet you'll make all season long. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today because I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game 
in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use promo code locked on to activate that offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use promo code locked on when creating your account to claim that bonus. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. As we led out of the last portion here of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast on a Monday, the bi-week conclusion podcast here on November the 19th, talking about how the Dolphins are tied for the sixth and final playoff spot heading into Week 12 action. It's a very, very busy crowd. And let's go ahead and preface this comment or this entire segment first with one huge caveat. And I think we all agree that this all hinges on a potential quarterback change. And I know, I know for a fact that if we stick with Brock Osweiler, our best shot, our absolute best shot is probably 8-8. Eight and eight. And even that's probably a stretch with how he's been playing recently. I would feel pretty good, or at least I would have, feel like there's a chance at 9-7 and seven if Ryan Tannehill returns. And what would make me more optimistic than Brock Osweiler coming back in is David Fales taking over. And we'll circle back to that in a minute. But let's jump into these teams the Dolphins are battling for that sixth and final spot with. And first, Miami are sandwiched in the middle of a mess of five and five teams. Dolphins have a four and three conference record. They have a head-to-head win over the Titans and a head-to-head loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And this game Sunday with Indianapolis is obviously huge. Let's go ahead and start with a winner today, the Baltimore Ravens, and what they present as far as an offense and defense. We know they have a strong defense, a strong pass rush. Luckily, Miami does not have to play them again this year. But I think Lamar Jackson and the stuff that he offers on offense They can beat some teams that maybe aren't great or maybe aren't disciplined on defense like the Bengals are not. And so I worry about them going forward as far as trying to win games for themselves. They are 5-3 and in conference, so right there with Miami. But their schedule is probably the toughest of the remaining teams. They have the Raiders at home, probably easy win. At the Falcons, at the Chiefs, that's two tough games. Home for the Bucks, at the Chargers, home for the Browns. I just don't see them getting out of that schedule with the rookie quarterback who's going to have some ups and downs. I don't see him getting out of that with more than three wins. So I think they're probably going to find themselves at eight and eight as well. Probably eight and eight at best. The Cincinnati Bengals, they're also another five and five team. They have no AJ Green for at least another week. We'll find out more about him. But without him, that offense is one dimensional without the passing game. Andy Dalton relies entirely on AJ Green in that passing game and they had a fourth down play to extend the game the game-winning drive or the potential game-winning drive and they threw a fourth down pass to a guy named Cody Core. so that kind of tells you where their struggles are their defense is in bad shape both from an injury perspective and an execution standpoint they do have the head-to-head over Miami which would be rough if both teams were at nine and seven but again the three-way tiebreaker if two if two other teams tie with the Miami Dolphins the head-to-head would go out the window so that would be I guess one way to mitigate that negative they are three and three in conference and there's schedule isn't as tough as the Ravens I don't think or maybe it is it's pretty close but it goes like this they're home for the Browns and that's a 10 o'clock or I guess one o'clock for you East Coast guys one o'clock next Sunday they play the Browns at home and that'll be a big game leading up to the Dolphins and Colts game if the Bengals lose that one Miami could be in the driver's seat with a win over the Colts they're home for the Broncos a kind of up and down team they're at the Chargers back home for the Raiders and then at the Browns at the Steelers again I don't see any way they come out of that with more than eight wins so again the number for Miami, nine wins. I think you can finish above Cincinnati and Baltimore. 
That brings up the Tennessee Titans, one of the most inconsistent teams in the NFL. They are very bad on the road. They're kind of like the Dolphins in that way. And Marcus Mariota got hurt once again. They, we have the head-to-head scalp over them. They're only 3-5 and five in conference in the AFC. They go to the Texans. They're home for the Jets and Jags. They're at the Giants. They're home for the Redskins and Colts. And I think that Week 17 game with the Colts could really dictate who comes out of that AFC South mix with the second spot in the division. And that brings up the Indianapolis Colts, who is the hottest team right now in the NFL besides probably the New Orleans Saints. And I mentioned that that Week 17 game with the the Tennessee Titans, that game could be everything. And it's just the reason that Miami must beat Indianapolis on Sunday. They're going to need that head-to-head tiebreaker against both those teams because these schedules for the Titans and Colts are pretty much a cakewalk for, except for a couple of games for each of them. And I think those two teams will be the Dolphins' real competition, more particularly the Indianapolis Colts. So the Dolphins have to get that win. If Miami beats both of them, then that three-way tiebreaker pushes the Dolphins at 9-7 and seven into the playoffs. And with the way the Colts are playing right now, I think they can go through the schedule and find nine wins to get themselves into that position. And hopefully one of those wins is not over the Dolphins. The Colts are playing so well right now in both trenches, on the offensive line, on the defensive line, getting after the quarterback. Andrew Luck has not been sacked in five weeks. That offensive line is dominant. Obviously, there's no head-to-head advantage yet. There will be come Sunday. The Colts, like Miami, actually the Colts are 4-4 four and four in the AFC. Dolphins are 4-3, and three, so Miami technically ahead of them on the tie-breaking scenarios right now. They're home for Miami, at the Jaguars, at the Texans, home for the Cowboys, which all of a sudden looks like a bit tougher of a game, and then they're home for the Giants, and then at the Titans. So again, I think that one of the teams out of that AFC South will finish 9-7. and seven. So Miami, if they get to 9-7, and seven, I fully believe they will be the sixth and final team into the play spot. It's going to be a challenging road for sure, and we can all start to take this way more seriously if they come out with a good showing on Sunday and beat the Colts. And how do they do that? And like I mentioned earlier, we'll cover the preview of the Colts on the next podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, as well as our crossover Wednesday podcast with the Locked On Colts host. But this game, I think a lot of it hinges on whether or not Ryan Tannehill plays. Obviously, we don't really have a word on that yet. I imagine we'll hear something by Wednesday. But if it's not Ryan Tannehill, why not David Fales? I was telling my fiance today, if they go back to Osweiler, I have no confidence. But at least with Fales, you have the hope of that little ignition, that little spark, kind of what Nick Mullins gave the Niners, maybe for one game, if not two games. Whatever it is, you need to find a spark. So go to David Fales if Ryan Tannehill's not healthy. Because really, what are you sacrificing? Zero touchdowns in your last nine quarters offensively. I just don't see the upside to going back to Brock. So hopefully by Wednesday, we get word that Ryan Tannehill's healthy and ready to go, or at least good enough to get through the rest of the season. If not him, I hope it's David Fails. And speaking of the quarterback change, a potential quarterback change, we're going to talk about what Adam Gaze might have done over the bye week on the next side of the podcast here, the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I've got a few more minutes here on the Monday, November the 19th podcast on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield with you guys here, as always, at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. And one of the things you look for coming out of the bye week, as the Miami Dolphins are doing as they go to Indianapolis on Sunday to face the Colts for the biggest game of the year for this Dolphins team so far, But one of the things you do is look for certain tendencies, certain ways to get away from stuff that a team might 
think that that's your identity in the past and just reinvent yourself and come out maybe with a better 15-play script. Maybe come out with a better plan to get certain guys the football. Maybe go back to being more creative in the running game. Circle back to certain things that worked earlier in the year. And the reason I bring all this up is that I actually have a good feeling that Adam Gaze will put together a good plan regardless of who his quarterback is. I think he's the kind of guy, the more time he has, and you go back to that Titans game, I love the plan in that season opening game against the Titans. You'll recall their first drive that they scored a touchdown on with a 99-yard scoring drive. I just think in this game, because of the renewed energy they're going to have from the rest, again, the first bye they've had in two seasons, I think the renewed focus on the new game plan or a new kind of post-bye type of team, a stretch run type of team, I think the offense is going to find ways to score, but of course it's going to be important for Matt Burke to institute a similar plan in terms of finding ways to get out of the same tendencies you've shown on film over and over again. Show different pressure looks, bring different pressure looks, spy the quarterback, do different rush packages with stunts and games and twists, do different things up front because you're going to have to find a way to get Andrew Luck off of his spot and get pressure on him because the way he's standing back in that pocket right now, that offense is absolutely humming and the way they can attack a defense with tight ends is really quite terrifying. I expect they're going to try to trap Miami into its base defense and attack with all those big-bodied athletic tight ends that they have out there in Indianapolis. So we'll talk more about that as the week goes on. But real quick before we close this podcast up, I did some scouting over the weekend on some college quarterbacks, taking a look at Justin Herbert, Dwayne Haskins, and Daniel Jones. Probably the three most talked about quarterbacks I've seen. I know Drew Locke and Will Greer figure into that conversation, but Will Greer with the arm and the offense, the questions about the offense he plays in at West Virginia, and then what Drew Locke has been able to do from a production standpoint, I just don't think either of those guys are worth talking about as high draft picks at this point. And these three guys, I think Justin Herbert obviously is the king of the class because of the physical traits that he have. He has, and we'll go ahead and start there with him. The big, strong arm, but just the mental processing, the kind of falling or succumbing to phantom pressure in the pocket, the inaccuracy issues he has. Yeah, you're going to find this guy. And you look at all the rookie quarterbacks in the league that struggle, which is kind of a new trend. You struggle early on, and then year two can be a lot better, like Mitch Trubisky, for instance, with the Chicago Bears. That could be the idea of trying to mold his game within the first year, get the experience, and then really invest to the rest of the team in year number two and hope that he's taking the big step but I just think he has a long, long way to go. And it might all be mute anyway, moot anyways, because I think that he's going to come out this year and get drafted awfully high before the Dolphins can even get a crack at him, despite the fact that we heard Tony Pauline on his podcast or on his radio show saying that Mike Tannenbaum has an absolute chub for Justin Herbert and wants Justin Herbert. And I can see that makeup and that 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 relationship existing between Adam Gaze and Justin Herbert because the ability to make all the throws, the ability to do zone read and do different things where you get the quarterback on the outside part of the defense, on the edge of the defense. So I can see where that marriage would happen. But like I said, lots of shortcomings and it's going to take a lot to go get Justin Herbert. Dwayne Haskins, I think he might come out too. I think he could come out and he really is more advanced from the other side of the game, from the processing side of the game. His arm is probably above average from what you want at your quarterback, but not the biggest arm. He did show some ability to handle pressure and scramble around against the Maryland Terps. Who really cares about that? But I think he has some upside to his game. I think he'll continue to grow and I think he'll be the best quarterback that comes out in this class. That's what I'm going with right now. I got to see more of them. And speaking of a guy that I did watch more of and did not like at all, Daniel Jones, I have no idea what folks are seeing there. The way the feet and the eyes and the upper body works together, it's just not a relationship between the three of those things. The arm is a pop gun arm. I I just don't see him dealing with pressure and crowded pockets 
and the internal clock that you have to have to play in this business. So I am completely out on the Daniel Jones idea. So not interested in the Duke Blue Devil. I'll be doing a lot more of these as the season winds down and especially once we enter draft season, which could be a lot more fun this year just from the standpoint that scouting quarterbacks to me is always a lot more fun even though it's not fun to not have a quarterback. It is fun to pursue one and to chase one. But like I said, that's a future conversation. We'll continue to update you on the college game throughout the course of the season and throughout the course of the postseason, all the all-star games and postseason draft evaluation season as we call it. But like I said, a future conversation. But as for this podcast, that is going to do it for me. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a preview edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.